You are listening to the following Sunday School lesson through the Newfound Faith website. Visit our site for more lessons like this one and for sermons and Bible studies as well. I also ask that you become a follower to the site by signing up with your email address under the subscribe tab. Don't miss a sermon, Sunday School lesson, Bible study, or any announcements. Subscribe today. You can follow along with the commentary of this lesson at newfoundfaith.org. There, you will be able to dive even deeper into this lesson with more details and see all of the scripture references. This week's Sunday School lesson, lesson number 13 in the spring quarter, Paul's Thorn in the Flesh. This week's lesson is being taught from the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, starting at the first verse and going through the 10th verse. Be sure you take a moment to read today's passage of scripture before continuing to listen to this lesson. Pause the audio now. Unpause the audio once you have finished reading. This week's lesson is going to be the last lesson of the spring quarter, and I certainly hope that all of you have enjoyed uh, this spring quarter of Sunday School lessons in this quarter. Just to sum up what we have gone over, uh, we have seen where Paul instructed uh, the church at Corinth through their troubles. Uh, we will recall that the believers who made up that church, uh, we, we will recall that they were divided over several things, including uh, their bias, their favoritism towards the preacher uh, that they would listen to. Uh, Paul corrected them. He offered correction in that matter where, again, they were, Paul accused them, and I believe it to have been true, uh, that they were judging by the outward appearance rather than judging by uh, the spirit. And so where they should have been listening to all of the preachers, uh, they were essentially judging by the outward appearance who sounded the best you know something like that so we saw that touched on we saw the subject of sexual immorality come up where some uh gave in to sexual immorality whereas others uh argued against it how it was not right uh for a believer uh to give in to sexual immorality uh we saw that even the last supper was something that was not done properly uh, by this church. So that's what we saw in the first half of the lessons where we were uh, looking at Paul's letter, the first letter uh, that he had sent to the Corinthians. Uh, in the second letter, in Second Corinthians, what we have been going over for the second half of lessons for this quarter is we have been taking a look at Paul encouraging uh, the believers through the things that he had gone through. So he was using uh, the things that he had gone through in life uh, to speak words of encouragement for when uh, those days might happen to uh, the believers. So we have seen uh, his encouraging words of remaining steadfast through trials and, and through tribulations. We have seen him uh, speak about being a good ambassador for the past couple of weeks. And that somewhat plays a role in our lesson here uh, today. Not greatly, not as great as it was the past two weeks, uh, but being an ambassador of Christ, and this is something that I've actually been touching on in my sermons recently as we walk our walk of faith down our journey through life. Uh, it is not something that is going to be easy. We are definitely going to have our trials. We are definitely going to have our tribulations. 
I speak of that from my very own experience. Uh, so, again, we need these encouraging words. Uh, we need to also know what to do in those moments when we are uh, being afflicted, when we have our infirmities. And so that's something that we are going to be touching on here in our Sunday school lesson uh, this week, where Paul had an infirmity. And we'll see how Paul dealt with that infirmity. We'll see what Paul uh, did uh, to in order to deal with his infirmity. OK, so our lesson, it opens up today uh, with Paul saying it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So, again, our lesson, it opens up with Paul saying it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. So Paul there in the opening verse of our Sunday school lesson today is speaking about boasting, boasting and, and bragging. Uh, and he essentially says that there is no place for that as an ambassador of Christ, as a servant of the Lord. He's essentially saying there's no there's no place for for boasting and bragging of one's self. You know, there's nothing that we do on our own. All that we accomplish in life, okay, every every gain that we have, every blessing that we have, it was not something that we did ourselves. Uh, we did it with the assistance of the Lord, the Lord who uh, goes before us, who works on our behalf. And so that's essentially what Paul is saying there. He said, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. There's no gain in boasting about yourself. And what he means by that, uh, there are people who are in the world who who boast of their own accomplishments and they like to end boasting. They like for people to praise them. They like for people to glorify them. Well, there's no profit in you being glorified. There's no profit in you being praised. OK, and so Paul is saying it's not good for for me as a servant of the Lord, as an ambassador of Christ. It is not good for me to boast about anything that I have done. It is doubtless not profitable. There's no gain for me, for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. It says that in the second verse, it says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. So the second verse, it, it's an interesting one uh, for many reasons, actually. Uh, because first and foremost, uh, some may ask the question, well, who is Paul speaking about here uh, in this verse? Because it says, I know a man in Christ. So this man that, that Paul says he knows is someone who's a true believer. This one is a genuine believer. OK, it says that this man is in Christ and he speaks about something that happened to this man 14 years ago. Now, again, in the opening verse of our lesson. Uh, we see Paul speaking about boasting, and he says that there essentially is no need for for him to boast. And so he speaks of this other person to the Corinthians. But this other person that he's actually speaking of is himself. And the reason why he explains this story in this manner is because he does not want the Corinthians or anyone else who may come across this letter, which includes us today. Right. He does not want us to think that he's boasting about himself. This is something this is a tactic that we have seen before in the past when it comes to to those who wrote scripture. Uh, John, uh, the disciple John, 
uh, was big on doing this. Like when you go through his gospels, when you go through the gospel, uh, according to St. John, John does not ever mention himself. He always talks about this other person. He always talk about the disciple who Jesus loved. And he does not ever say that Jesus, uh, you know, he doesn't uh, use his name there. Uh, he doesn't even give away that it is him uh, that he's talking about until the end of that gospel. You have to make it all the way through uh, the gospel of John to figure out that uh, he was speaking of himself on, on several occasions. Well, he, that was him being humble. Uh, he did not want to boast. He did not want to brag. He did not. He did not seek for anyone to glorify him. Uh, he did not seek for anyone to to praise him. And so we essentially see Paul doing that very same thing here in this second verse. He's talking about himself and he specifically points out that this is something that happened to him uh, 14 years ago. Uh, it is believed that Paul is referring to uh, the time where he was stoned in Lystra. Uh, by some Jews from Antioch and Iconium. Uh, this is uh, actually, you can find this in scripture if you were to go over to the 14th chapter of the book of Acts and you were to take a look at the 19th verse, uh, you will see where Paul was stoned. And those, the Jews that had stoned him, they actually thought that they had killed Paul. Uh, they thought that Paul was dead. And, and, and to be honest with you, um, I, I'm pretty sure that they knew how to check a pulse. I'm pretty sure uh, that they knew how to check uh, breathing as well. So uh, for them to think that Paul was dead, it must have meant that his pulse was very low or non-existent. Uh, his breathing must have been very light or or non-existent. And so they essentially left him for dead. It, it took the other disciples uh, that were there for them to come over to Paul. And, and when they did, Paul instantly uh, woke, woke up. But it is believed here that in this verse here in the 12th chapter of second Corinthians, that Paul is speaking about that time where he's essentially not unconscious and must've been near death. And we'll see here that Paul says that he was caught up to the third heaven keywords. He was caught up. Okay. This means that this was something that, that God did. This was not something uh, that Paul did. And he says the third heaven there, which I do want to take a moment to talk about because we don't often uh, refer to heaven where the Lord is. We don't often refer to it as the third heaven. So there are levels of heaven. Okay. And I believe that you will find these levels of heaven uh, to be uh, very interesting. The, the first level of heaven is essentially our domain. Okay. Uh, when, <laughs> When we are on the ground, we look up and we the first thing that we see is the sky. We see the clouds, right? That is the first level of heaven, the, the sky and the clouds, which is, you know, kind of fascinating because uh, those who do not believe in the Lord, they always like to say that God is the, the God that's up there in the clouds and in the sky. He's not he's not there. The Lord isn't there. Uh, we are able to reach that heaven, right? Uh, we, we can get up to that heaven quite easily. Many people have actually been up into the first, into the first heaven when they get on an airplane or when they get on a helicopter, uh, when they get on it, when, when someone gets into a jet and they fly up there, 
uh, when, when someone get into a hot air balloon, right? Uh, we are able to access that, that, that first level. We actually uh, don't need for the Lord to catch us up. We don't need to be caught up to the first heaven uh, because we have made it there on, on our own, right? Um, so I would not say that there is anything that is unique or even special uh, about that first heaven. You know, we come up with wingsuits and things like that. We, we come up with gliders and, and things like that for us to be able to get up there to that. So we don't need to be knocked unconscious. We don't need to be near death or even dead uh, to be caught up to uh, the first heaven. Now, the second heaven is beyond the first heaven. The second heaven uh, would include all of the heavenly bodies, right? Like our moon, the the other planets that's in our solar system, the sun, the stars, right? The, the galaxies, all of those things that is out there in space. So space is itself uh, is the second heaven, you know, in, in scripture, in, in uh, the first chapter of Genesis, uh, we are told that God created uh, the heavens and the earth. Okay. Uh, we are told that he created the heavenly bodies that, that occupy the heavens. That's talking about uh, space. That's talking about the universe. And for those that like to get out there when, when we start talking about the universe, that includes multi multiverses, if that really does exist. Whatever we uh, come up with when it comes to space, it includes all of that. Uh, space is something that we know of, but we don't know all of it which is why you often hear me say uh, about the creation that God created all things, all things known, all things unknown. As Paul said in scripture, God created the visible and the invisible. That is the, the second heavens. And again, we have shown that we can touch uh, this second heaven, but it is hard for us to do it. Actually, it is. It is actually hard. Yes, we have rockets and things like that. But it is hard for us to pull away from the Earth's gravity, actually, uh, to go out into this 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 space. Uh, we can make it to the moon. We can send probes out there into the, the solar system and into the galaxy. But not many of us have actually gone out there. Right. In fact, the furthest that uh, we have made it from Earth, if you believe it or not, I know a lot of people joke about this. My dad used to joke about this often. The furthest away that we've actually made it, mankind physically, uh, would be to the moon, if you believe that or not. So getting up to the second heaven, it is possible for us to do. Uh, but quite frankly, it is very difficult. And in actuality, it is also very dangerous. Uh, the only way that we essentially have made it up to the second heaven is when we create TV shows and, and movies about it. Right. Our imagination uh, has made it up to. Of the second heavens, but it's quite difficult for us uh, to do. But we do have the capability of doing that. Again, we don't have to be not unconscious or near death. We don't have to die uh, to make it out into space. Right. The third heaven is beyond both the first heaven. It is beyond the second heaven. The third heaven is where the Lord reigns his heavenly kingdom. God's heavenly kingdom is beyond the universe, the multiverse, if you will, as well, just beyond all of those things. OK, so when you think about how massive the universe is, right, heaven is far more massive, right? 
the magnitude of heaven, it is unimaginable. And we'll see here in in our lesson today, uh, the words to describe heaven are in unexpressible. OK, uh, if we can just barely touch the second heaven, it is impossible. It is literally impossible for for us to reach the third heaven. We just can't do it. And, and, and in fact, in scripture, in the third chapter of John's gospel, when when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, Jesus told Nicodemus that flesh and blood cannot go into it, cannot enter into that kingdom. It cannot enter into heaven. So even if we could see heaven, if we could see heaven through through a large telescope, whatever, however you could think of possibly being able to see heaven. You and I, our bodies would not be able to enter into that domain. So the only way that you and I can enter into heaven is with the help of the Lord. We will have to be caught up to heaven or in other words, because flesh and blood cannot enter there. Uh, we will have to become a spirit and we can't be any type of spirit to enter into the heavenly kingdom. Only the righteous, we are told in scripture, will enter into the heavenly kingdom. OK, so God has to and we see this again in the 14th chapter of John's gospel. God has to show us the way to heaven. Jesus said that he is the way to the heaven and that no, uh, he is the way to heaven and that no man can get there except by him. So we have to actually follow Christ for us to be able to to uh, enter into the heavenly kingdom. And, you know, that's something, again, that I have been talking about in over the past month. Uh, in my series of sermons titled The Journey, where God, we should depend on, we should depend on him to guide us. We should pen, depend on him to direct us as we go along the way on our journey. And I want you to understand when I've been talking about our journey, I'm not talking about a physical journey. I'm talking about a spiritual journey. Uh, we need God's guidance. We need his direction. We need his shielding. We need his protection. We need his providence so that we can make it to that heavenly kingdom. And again, uh, Paul describes the heavenly kingdom in a term uh, that would show you that, again, he's not capable. He was not capable of getting to heaven uh, by his own strength, by his own power, by his own might. No man is. That's why he referred to it as the third heaven, because in, in that day, again, people were, you know, we like to think ourselves uh, wise, but we we aren't quite the the theologians. We, we aren't uh, as quite as wise as the Greeks were nor Paul himself. Uh, Paul explained it in, in, in a manner that would show you how impossible it is for, for man to reach uh, heaven on his own might. He called it the third heaven. He said the first heaven is essentially earth. The second heaven is, is space that is beyond the earth. The third heaven is the space that is e eternal, right? Eternity is beyond uh, the universe as we know it and do not know it as well. And so Paul says that he was caught up to heaven. And we'll see here in scripture that he had a vision of heaven. The third verse uh, essentially adds on what we saw there in the second verse said in the third verse says, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. The fourth verse says how he was caught up into paradise and her inexpressible words, which is or which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So. Paul, speaking of this other man, which, again, we know it is himself, and he's essentially saying that he had a vision 
uh, because again, he says, essentially says whether it is in the body or out of the body. I don't know. I don't know if I was, if it was me in my body or out of my body. Now, again, we know that again, if this event did take place, if this vision, uh, if it did happen when he was not unconscious in Listeria, we know that his body was just moved. It, it was, it was taken, it was moved by the Jews that stoned him because they thought that he was dead. And we know that other disciples, they found Paul's body and that they uh, stay with it. So we know that his body, we know that it did not go up to the third heaven. And again, we know that the body is incapable. It's impossible for the body uh, to inherit the third heaven anyway. Flesh and blood cannot enter into that domain. So we know that this was essentially an out of body experience for Paul, uh, where Paul was given a vision. OK, he was caught up. He says he was given a vision of paradise. So, again, uh, we know that Paul is speaking about heaven here because he's talking about paradise there. He says again that he was caught up into paradise. So he's making it very clear because in the, again, uh, in the prior verses, he said that he was caught up to the third heaven. For those that would not understand what the third heaven was, he makes it clear here in this fourth verse that the third heaven is paradise. That is, again, where the Lord reigns. And he tells us that he heard inexpressible words there. He saw things, I believe. But, you know, he says there at the end of this verse, it's not lawful. It's not lawful for him to just say what he saw. It's not lawful for him to to uh, speak about the words that were inexpressible that he heard. And, and, and someone may ask, well, what law is this that Paul is speaking about? Well, essentially, he's talking about the law of God of God. God essentially has had put it in place, commanded Paul. Hey, you, you can't say uh, what you heard here. You can't speak about what you saw here for him to do it. Uh, he, he would have gone against God. So uh, Paul, being one that does not want to go against God, being one that does not want to strive against God, says, hey, uh, it is unlawful for me to even tell you about this. What I saw, it is unlawful for me uh, to tell you about what I heard. And, and, you know, I imagine that some will go, OK, well, OK, you know, why? Why are you telling me about this in the first place? You know, someone may say uh, some may say, well, Paul is just making this up. OK. And, and 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 what's fascinating about heaven, even though though Paul was essentially uh, told not to talk about heaven, John, the disciple, uh, he was revealed heaven. And I just preached about this last week. Right. Uh, John was revealed heaven by Jesus Christ and he wrote about it. So where Paul was essentially forbidden of speaking about heaven, uh, it, I would tell you today it wasn't meant for him to speak about heaven. And we'll see that uh, played out later here in, in our lesson today. It was meant for someone else, that someone else being John, the disciple John. Uh, it was meant for him. The revelation was given to him. Uh, by Jesus Christ. And therefore, we have the book of Revelation, according to Jesus Christ, uh, where heaven is laid out for us in, in great detail there. And in heaven, uh, you see the joy and the celebration, the pump and circumstance, as I said in, in my sermon last week, where I preached about the finish line. Go and listen to that sermon. Go and watch it if you have not done so already, where we look at the details of heaven there. Uh, you can also go and read the book of Revelation. I know, I know a lot of people, uh, they get afraid uh, when it comes to reading the book of Revelation, but a believer uh, does not have to be afraid. The believer 
does not have to be terrified about the book of Revelation. We should read that book uh, with a big smile on our face because that book, that book, it details the victory uh, that we have over over the world. So essentially, we'll see Paul. What, what Paul uh, says here is that he saw heaven uh, and that heaven is real. And that's all that we need to know. Uh, he was one that preached about heaven, right? He preached about the day uh, where our corruptible will put on incorruptible, where our mortal will put on immortality. He spoke about uh, how we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye, how we will be raptured out, how the church will be raptured, how we will get to heaven one day. And so for those that would say, ah, well, heaven isn't real, Paul could tell them heaven is real. I have seen it. I have been there. I had a vision of it. Okay, so Paul could could come back with that. All right, we'll see there in the fifth verse. Paul again says, of such a one, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast. Okay, so again, uh, speaking of himself as if it is not himself there in that verse. Um, he's saying that he will boast about, about that one's uh, vision because he wanted people to know the vision of heaven. He wanted them to know that heaven was indeed real, not to question uh, whether or not heaven is real. He says, I'm not going to boast about myself, but if I do boast about myself, okay, he said, I will boast about one thing, one thing only, and that is my infirmities. You know, someone would, may ask, well, why is Paul saying that he will boast about his infirmities? Okay, infirmities meaning weaknesses. Why would Paul boast about his weaknesses? Well, Paul would boast about his weaknesses because God would do something for him in his weakness. So essentially, uh, Paul would boast about the times when he was weak, when he had an affliction or or when he had an infirmity. He would do this because, again, he would make it through those afflictions. He would make it through his infirmities. We would say today that he made it through his trials. He made it through his tribulations. And the reason why he would boast about this is because God would be the one that had brought him through his trials and through his tribulations. It would be God that had taken away his his infirmities. It would be God that had taken away his afflictions. So in boasting about his infirmities in actuality, he would be boasting about the Lord. And again, that was Paul's calling. As we saw earlier in this quarter, he said that he was called to preach, that he was called to edify, to teach. And this is how he would do so. Okay. In boasting about what God had done for him and what God could do for someone else. That's Again, that still happens today. That's what we do as as ministers of the good news. And, and when I say that is what we do as ministers of the good news, I'm talking about every child of God. I'm talking about all of the ambassadors of Christ, not just the preachers, not just the teachers. Every child of God, every true believer, we are all ambassadors. We are all stewards of the Lord. We all can testify of him whether we do that verbally or through our actions. Again, I tell you, someone is watching you. They see you are making it through your storms. They see you making it through your trials and through your tribulations. And if you were to tell that person, hey, it is not my doing. It is not my strength that is bringing me through. It is God that is doing these things for me. That person may believe. That person may become a believer that person may begin to turn to the Lord. Okay. So essentially we're not boasting about ourselves. Paul wasn't boasting about himself. He was boasting about the Lord. We don't boast about ourselves when we say that we have made it through. 
the believer is boasting about the Lord. Okay, and that's what is certainly what we ought to do there. The sixth verse says, for though I might desire to boast, hey, you know, everyone desires to boast about themselves, right? We we desire to speak about the things that we have done. It says, though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. So Paul essentially says the one who boasts about themselves, uh, they are fools. OK, uh, there are some who profess themselves to be believers who will not give God the glory, the honor and the praise. And that's quite foolish. Uh, I, I have seen people question uh, the true believer uh, in always giving God the glory, the honor and the praise. Uh, they say, well, what did God do? Didn't you study all of those years? Didn't you work hard all of those years? Uh, didn't you study all those years to, to graduate? God didn't help you with that, is what some would say. Some would say, well, didn't you grind and hustle and, and push hard in, in, in the job so that you could make it to where you are so that you can have all that you, that you have? God didn't do that, is what, what some will say. And that's, again, rather foolish. You know, We as believers, we know that these things, all things are possible to us uh, because of the Lord. Right. Uh, I, again, went through five years of dialysis and I can tell you for a certainty that it was not my strength that brought me through those five years. I can tell you for a certainty, you know, there were I can recall and there still are people who said today uh, where they were encouraged by my pushing through by by me being able to still get up and preach and teach and things like that uh, while doing dialysis for three hours, four days a week and being able to make it through. They, they would say, man, you're, you're doing great. And I would tell them it's not my doing. Okay? It's not my strength that is carrying me through. It is the Lord. Um, that's you know, that that is, again, that what we should be doing as believers. We have to explain to people uh, where we would be without the Lord. Without the Lord, I wouldn't have made it through those five years. I don't believe I would have been here, that I would still be here today. And I think that many of us uh, can say that about the things that we go through. There are so many people who uh, are on their journey. They're trying to, to walk their journey without the Lord's assistance, without the Lord's help. And so many people, they burn out on their journey because uh, they don't depend on God. They burn out. They they collapse. Uh, they give up, unfortunately. And for some, giving up has been uh, suicide, has been death. And that that is, again, truly tragic. And it is truly saddening uh, because the Lord is there uh, to help. And so what we ought to be doing is uh, trying to to make be in fellowship with the Lord. And I read about a, a young lady a few weeks ago who was a cheerleader at Southern University, I believe it was. So I believe it was Southern, where she in her final post, she committed suicide in her final post. She spoke about uh, how she lost her connection with God and she essentially had given up. And again, very saddening and very tragic. We if you're out there in the world today and you're trying to go through life without the Lord. 
Okay. You, you are living a very, you are walking your path incredibly dangerously. Okay. Recklessly, I would even say. Uh, you, you, you are putting your life on the line by doing that. I'm not saying that you will commit suicide, but, but just telling you how exhausting that can be from a spiritual perspective. Because even the believer today, uh, we have our moments and times where we even lose strength, where uh, we even can become exhausted on the journey. And it is God who dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, uh, who renews our strength day by day. That is how uh, the believer is able to make it through some of the most severe storms in life. Uh, that is how the believer is able to make it through some of the most severe famines and droughts in life. You know, turn to the Lord. Okay, allow Lord, the Lord to to bring you through your trials and through your tribulations. And you'll see that again in your trials and your tribulations, he will renew your strength. It is not anything that you have done by yourself to to make it through. I believe even you are receiving assistance from the Lord, even though you may not glorify him, even though you may not honor him, even though you may not praise him. Again, God blesses all people. He causes his son to rise on all people. He causes his reign to fall down uh, for all people. Okay, It is on us to give God the glory, the honor, and the praise. It is on us to believe in him and to have faith in him as well. All right, so we'll see Paul begin to speak about his infirmity there. Uh, the seventh verse, it goes on to say, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So Paul begins to speak about his thorn in the flesh. Uh, he actually uh, believes that this thorn in the flesh was given to him by Satan. But I spoke about this. I can't remember uh, what quarter of lessons it was. I believe that this was last year uh, where Paul had a great desire to go to Rome. And he speaks about this in his letter to the Romans where he desired to go to Rome. Uh, but he, he spoke about how he was essentially being held up from getting to Rome, uh, how he had to go elsewhere and how he had to minister elsewhere. And he believed that it was because of Satan's doings. But again, in actuality, uh, we have seen here in scripture already today uh, where there were things that Paul desired to do that he was essentially forbidden by the Lord uh, from doing. I believe that Paul would want to go on and on about uh, what he saw in heaven and what he heard in heaven. But again, uh, Paul says that it was unlawful for him. God forbade him from doing so. Uh, Paul desired to to go to to Rome, uh, but the Holy Spirit essentially told Paul, hey, no, not the time. You know, we all have dreams and things that that we desire to do. Paul was a big dreamer, I believe. Uh, but uh, the Lord, he has desires for us. He has his own will. He's going to use us. We are a vessel of his and he's going to use us uh, as he desires. He's going to put us uh, where he desires. I would tell you that I had no desire to go through dialysis for five years, but God put me in that place. I made it through. Uh, by his strength and by his power to stand as a testimony uh, to him. So, again, we have to uh, abide by God's will. God is going to use us as he desires to use us. Uh, I believe that what Paul believed was uh, a thorn in the flesh, uh, he calls it. I believe that this, again, was the Lord essentially uh, at work to to keep Paul on the track that he desired for Paul. I don't think 
yes, Satan may have been at work there, there in those places where he had to go back to uh, to minister at that time. Uh, but God, again, was using him uh, as he pleased. The thorn in the flesh. Uh, I, I do want to point out here, uh, we will see we will not see Paul specifically tell us in our Sunday school lesson uh, what that thorn was. OK, Paul does not tell us what the thorn uh, in the flesh actually was. Uh, we do know that it was something that was physical. OK, we do know that it was something that was physical uh, that was causing him physical weakness. Uh, we know this because, again, he says that it was in the flesh. That's how we know that it was something that was physical. It wasn't something that was spiritual. It was something that was physical. He says that it was a thorn in the flesh. OK, uh, he even uh, wrote about this uh, to the Galatians as well. If you were to turn over to the 14th chapter of the uh, of his letter to the Galatians and you were to take a look at the 13th and the 14th verse, you see that uh, he talks about something physical there, having that uh, thorn in the flesh. Now, it is believed that that Paul suffered from uh, visual. Uh, OK, it is believed that he suffered from visual impairment. Uh, from being blinded on the road to Damascus. But again, we, we don't really know because, again, uh, we saw where that blindness was essentially healed uh, in Scripture as well. So we don't know if he had any uh, long lasting effects from uh, being blinded on the road uh, to Damascus. Again, uh, he was stoned. We know that he was stoned, that he was knocked out near to death. So uh, we don't know that uh, his infirmity uh, may have come from that. We simply don't know. The only thing that we do know is that he had an infirmity uh, that was physical. He had what he called a thorn in his flesh. All right. And again, it was an infirmity. Now, there's a reason why Paul is speaking about uh, this thorn in the flesh. And we'll see him uh, mention the reason he would give us. Uh, he would tell us why he's talking about his infirmity here. The eighth verse says concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul was in trouble. OK, this affliction, his infirmity, this weakness that he had, uh, it was causing him great trouble. We know that it was causing him great trouble because we see Paul diligently uh, praying to God about this thorn in the flesh. I would even tell you that Paul was probably pleading, begging uh, for the Lord to take away uh, this infirmity, to take away his thorn in the flesh. You know, have you ever been? Uh, so afflicted you know, physically uh, to where you have just been praying earnestly to God. Take away, take away, heal me, heal me, heal me. Right. Uh, I believe all of us have had those moments in times where we have prayed for God to to heal us. And in those times, uh, we may even begin to wonder well, why God isn't moving fast enough to heal me. And I believe that that Paul was no differently here. That's why we see him pray three times. I believe that Paul was looking for God to to move instantly for him, uh, but it, it wasn't happening at the speed that that Paul desired. So he prays three times. We see that Paul is in trouble. We see that uh, in the ninth verse that the Lord does eventually answer Paul uh, says that in the ninth verse, uh, he said to me, my grace. This is God's grace. This is God speaking. This is Jesus speaking here says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. OK, so this infirmity where Paul is, is desire for the Lord to take away uh, this infirmity. Now, we don't necessarily see Jesus here say that uh, he's taking it away from Paul. 
Okay, we we don't see where Jesus says your infirmity is removed. He doesn't say that there. His response, Jesus' response to to Paul's prayer is that his grace, his love, is sufficient. Okay, it is more than enough. It is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. We we have we all have infirmities that we go through. Okay, um, no one is perfect. Absolutely, nobody is perfect. All of us have our weaknesses, and now whether those weaknesses are physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, all of us have our infirmities. And what we see Jesus say here is that in whatever infirmity you may have, my grace, my love is sufficient. It is more than enough for you to be able to bear what you are going through. Now, things that when things are more than we can bear, we should certainly pray to the Lord about things that are more than uh, what we can bear. And I believe that the Lord will help us in bearing those things. And that's what Jesus essentially is saying here today, uh, where you may be weak, where you may not be able to bear something. OK, my strength is made perfect. So, again, a case where uh, to reflect on the sermons that I preached in this series, this is another case where you and I should be dependent on the Lord on our journey. We should be dependent again on his guidance, his di uh, direction. Uh, we should, again, be dependent on his protection and his providence. OK, God cares for us and he will provide many things for us. He will supply our every need so that we can make it along the way. Paul had a weakness here and we see where Jesus essentially says, I'm going to support you. I'm going to supply your every need so that you can make it. He says my grace, my love is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness is what Jesus says there. And so we'll see Paul say here, he says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, not a thing that I do. OK, I'm not going to boast about anything that I'm that I personally do. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses because in my weaknesses, I know that the Lord's strength is made perfect. It is sufficient for me to be able to make it another day. It is sufficient for me to be able to take another step on my journey to reaching the finish line again to reflect on the sermons that that I just preached uh, for this past month. This is why we see Paul again rather glorify or boast uh, about his infirmities. He says, therefore, most gladly, happily, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. OK, it is Again, God is with us. God is always with us. He's with us in our good days. He's with us in our bad days. He's with us when we are of good health. He's with us when we are of poor health. When we are strong, God is with us. When we are weak, God is with us and we make it through. That should be our testimony to someone somewhere. Because again, there are many people who aren't making it uh, in our world today. And when I say they aren't making it, I want you to know that I'm not talking about with money. I'm talking about simply being able to make it to take another step on the journey. There are so many people. There are so many people in our world today who are struggling on their journey through life. 
They are weak. They are exhausted. And when I say that they are weak and they, they are exhausted, I'm not talking about physically. Okay, I'm talking about spiritually. Okay, and this has a great effect. When we are exhausted spiritually, it has a great effect on our mental. It has a great effect on our emotional. Okay, and it certainly can influence uh, what we go through physically as well. All right, so we should be dependent on the Lord. We who genuinely believe, we who are ambassadors of Christ, we should always be testifying about what the Lord has done for us because we are living testimonies, right? We are living testimonies. So let us testify of how God has brought us through our trials, through our tribulations. He's brought us through the storms of life. He's brought us through the famines and the droughts that we also have in life as well. The 10th verse, the final verse of this quarter of lessons goes on to say, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. OK. And again, this reminds me what Paul just said here. Uh, this reminds me of what James said in, in his first chapter, in the first chapter of his lesson uh, letter. Uh, where James said that uh, we should rejoice uh, when we are tried, when we are tempted, when we go through our trials and our tribulations, we should rejoice. Uh, we should rejoice because it shows the Lord's work at hand uh, when we are able to make it through our trials, when we are able to make it through our tribulations. Uh, we should rejoice because it strengthens our faith. That is what James said. And we essentially see Paul uh, saying the same thing here. I take pleasures is what Paul said. I take pleasure in infirmities uh, in, in the things that I go through in life because God is going to bring me through those things. He's going to bring me through my infirmities, my weaknesses. He's going to bring me through when I am reproached, my reproaches, when when something is, is trying to deter me on my path. When I am in need, I am going to, again, take pleasure in it. When I am persecuted. I'm going to take pleasure in it. When I am in distress, Paul says that I'm going to take pleasure in it because, again, God brings me through. And it gives me reason, again, to give him praise, to give him glory, to give him honor, to testify of him, his love, his power, his might. Okay. All right. So that is our lesson for this week. That is the final lesson of this quarter. And I hope that you enjoyed uh, this quarter of lessons. And again, I hope that uh, these lessons for this quarter has encouraged you as a believer to again, stand steadfastly in your faith and to again, be able to move steadfastly in your faith, not being broken because the world is certainly going to try to break you. Sin is going to try to break you. The devil is going to try to break you. But when you stand steadfast in your faith, you will not be crushed. You will not be overcome because our God is greater. Okay. All right. So again, I hope that you enjoyed these lessons and I hope that you uh, will share this week's lesson with someone somewhere until next time. Again, I'll continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. Let us again, pray for one another, pray for all of those who are around you. Uh, there is great need of prayer today as we see all of us are going through something so let us certainly keep others lifted up in our prayer those we know those that we do not know and again let us continue about in grace and in love that is our calling as a child of god to love our neighbors as we love ourselves be sure to come back for our lesson next week our lesson next week is going to be the first lesson of 
the summer quarter. Okay. So until next time, I'll continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers and I pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.